Friday, hour number two. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. The phone number is 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and on Twitter at Pete Callender. Oh, and get the podcast. Do that, please. Um, super easy. Yeah, you just go to thepetecallendershow.com or you go to wbt.com and you just say, hey, I like that show. Bam, you follow it. And then it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. That's it. Every single day. I know. It's so easy. Um, Carolina Journal's David Bass reporting on, uh, Carolina Journal is the uh, John Locke Foundation publication, North Carolina based. uh, But uh, this is a trend all over the country. And I mentioned some of this yesterday, talking about the amount of money that was getting poured into campaigns um, in reliably Democrat districts and states by Republican organizations that obviously think that there are some gains to be made in some of these deep blue places. So part and parcel of that is part and parcel of that or with that? Well, part of that is uh, school board races. And David Bass writes, growing backlash against progressive policies implemented by school boards across the nation could manifest itself this year in North Carolina's school districts. He does not focus on Charlotte Mecklenburg or any other places except for, um, I think he mentions uh, uh, Wake County, Orange County, Guilford County, New Hanover, Johnston, Craven, and Union Counties. He doesn't go, he doesn't do deep dives into all of the races. He just notes this common uh, thread. Now, I don't know if he left Charlotte Mecklenburg out because he doesn't consider it to be a place where uh, non-Moonbat leftists have a chance of winning office, but um, he says school board elections are officially nonpartisan, but candidates and members still represent progressive, conservative, or moderate points of view. Pandemic-era policies, like forced masking and shuttered classrooms, have motivated a new batch of candidates to get involved. A rising tide of woke policies on race and gender issues have contributed to the motivation. So I think what happened, one of the things that COVID did, I've said this throughout the entire pandemic, which is that it exposed a lot of parents to what their kids were being exposed to. And uh, because of the virtual learning and all of that, now they're in the house, they're on lockdown, and they're seeing these lessons, they're seeing uh, the classroom decor or whatever, they're hearing the messaging, and they have concerns. They And they, they took a new interest in watching school board meetings. And because they were now all virtual and parents are watching to find out what is the school going to do, because remember, the General Assembly said the masking uh, policies would have to be revisited and and uh, voted upon regularly. That caused more parents to be tuning in, almost like, uh, you know, back in the old days with the snow day and everybody would tune into the radio in the morning to find out if they had school or not. True story. I worked at a radio station where every time it snowed, there was a particular client that would never advertise except for the days it snowed. And then they would call up in the morning and um, do an ad buy <laughs> during the morning show because they knew everybody would be listening. And this company, I think it was like a hardware store, and they sold sleds. <laughs> that was the only day they ever advertised. But Anyway, so like that, everybody would sit around and wait to see 
if uh, you had you had school today or not, right? And I think a lot of parents uh, during the pandemic got uh, it got exposed to right. They they started watching these school board meetings and holy smokes, the school board's dysfunctional. And and you're teaching what now, right? There became a level of awareness that I'm not sure school board members and activists and educrats, I'm not sure they anticipated, or, or the union uh, leaders either. I'm not sure, I'm not sure they, an, they anticipated that. Not sure they realized it either, even as it was occurring. And they're starting to get parents agitated against them. I don't even think then they realize it. I think they don't realize it now. But what do I know? I'm just a radio host. Um, this uh, idea in uh, in the schools where you've got these books that are, by some descriptions, and some of the books, I mean, they're not all the same, right? There are all these different books that approach these controversial topics differently. But some of them are completely inappropriate for kids. And as I've said before, right, the it's the parents' kids. It's not the school's kids. It's not the teacher's kids. And the reason why parents have concerns or doubts about your ability as an educator or a librarian to make these decisions, those concerns are based on you and your bad judgment. That's how we got here. You chose unwisely. You took the uh, the golden goblet, not the wooden one. It's an Indiana Jones reference. All right, let me go over here to, uh, to Tim. Hello, Tim. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, well, thank you very much. You know, that was a great reference. I always use that. Uh, you chose poor. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh, and I remember the strikes that would take place mm-hmm. with the heavy union influence. Some of those would last 60, 80 days. And the thing that always made the parents crazy was the uh, school board members, some of them had been on their 30 years. Mm. I mean, they, it was, and they got paid for it, and it was a paid position. And but you couldn't get you couldn't get them out of there. It was it was, and it and then when I got older, I started to realize, man, sometimes they just need to rotate some people out of there and and, and refresh. And the unions were so heavy up there. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, it was just it, it was almost a punishment. So I went to school. I grew up on Long Island, and um, we had, uh, I was actually talking to Bill Fountain in the last hour off-air about this very thing. Up there, every town has its own school district, and they're all talking, and have been for, I I don't know, 40 years. Parents talk about consolidating the schools as a cost savings because there are so many superintendents, you have this duplication of all of the admin, right? And so their idea of the solution to the problem with schools and the cost was to consolidate, whereas... You know, for years ago in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, there was a big push to deconsolidate because they thought that the size of the district was too big and that would solve the problem. And this is where I finally came down on this idea that the problem isn't the size of the district. The problem is the model, right? Because they're both operating the same model. It's the K-12 government model. And that's the problem. And you you mentioned the unions as well. Ours would go not necessarily on strike. They would do walkouts and stuff. But it was always around the budget because up in Long Island, the voters got to approve the budgets every year. And so the school board would always throw out this ridiculously large budget proposal. The parents would vote it down. The teachers would then 
uh, politic in the classroom to us kids to get our parents to vote for the budget. And when it got voted down, then they would say, we're going on austerity. And they would cut bus service to make everybody walk to school or drop your kids off. And they would cut extracurricular activities. They did that stuff first. They always did that. And it basically was trying to extort the parents to vote yes, which they would then usually do when they came back with a a pared down budget proposal. And then that one would pass. So, uh, yeah, like I grew up in this atmosphere of watching teachers and admin politicize budget funding and education. Yep. Lastly, uh, I will congratulate you on that uh, uh, great use of uh, Led Zeppelin for some bumper. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, some That's people. Yeah, yeah, some people oppose the uh, the levy breaks as a theme. I don't know why they. Uh, I've gotten some uh, over the years. Some people are they, they don't like the harmonica or something, but whatever. You know, years years ago, <laughs> years ago up in Albany, I met Robert Plant at the Hilton Hotel. Oh really? Yeah, still big, big hair, not real tall. He had oh. a bodyguard that blocked the sun, but you know that was about it. Did you get to say anything to him? I did. I walked right up to him and I, I, I said, uh, Robert Plant. I said, have we met before? I said, uh, no. <laughs> I said, I love your music, though. Uh, thank you. And that's pretty much where it left. Oh, all right. <laughs> Compelling and rich. Thank you, Tim. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Bye, I appreciate bye. the call, man. <laughs> Thanks so much. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. There's a message from Gigi, who called in earlier. Pete, thank you for the conversation. She says, and yes, you have me figured out. I am confrontational. I attribute it from being uh, attributed to being from New Jersey. Fair enough. Fair enough. You want to hear my Jersey joke? I only have one. Why do New Yorkers have such bad attitudes? Because the light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. There you go. That's <laughs> All right, come on. Look, it works the other direction, too. You can totally use it against New Yorkers. It's fine. I'm a giver. Um, thank you, Roland. Oh, not Roland. Sorry. Uh, I lost the thing here. This is... Somebody said... Oh, here it is. Lee. Lee says, I would make a great school superintendent. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate that. And I would get paid very handsomely, at least for like a year or two. And then I would get the golden parachute. And then you'd probably never hear from me again. I, I think I would be perfectly capable of taking, what did he walk away with all said and done? Like for a couple of years worth of work and then the big payout at the end, former Charlotte Mecklenburg school superintendent. I mean, if you add it all together, it's probably about a million dollars. Yeah, you give me a million dollars, I'm out. You will. <laughs> I could. I could definitely maintain uh, a comfortable standard of living and never need to work again. I say that I would go crazy. I would. Yeah. Um, so let me get back to this. Uh, this potential solution, because again, you know me. I'm all about solutions. Mecklenburg County, or uh, sorry, Mecklenburg activist group, Moms for Liberty, Mecklenburg. They have a proposal for the Charlotte-Mecklenburg School District, and apparently they got a meeting with CMS, too, about this proposal. A way to solve the problem of irate parents mad at the offerings 
on the library bookshelves in schools that details sexually explicit and age-inappropriate content. Right? You got irate parents, and the school's original approach to this was um, shut up. That's the, that was the original approach, just uh, shut up. Thank you. Take care. But it's not going away. And after the video of uh, the parent, what was her name here? Christy Wade. This video went viral uh, last week, I guess it was late last week, where she got up at the school board meeting and read the passage from This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson that was on the, uh, on the shelves at Collingswood Language Academy. Okay? This was in, this was in a classroom. Sorry, it wasn't in a library. It was in a personal library. So I, I am, and when, when the district first gave us this cover story, I expressed doubts about its veracity, let's say. I'm not calling anyone a liar just yet. I have some questions, though, because it still doesn't make sense. Okay? But the story was that at Collingswood, Element, uh, Collingswood Language Academy, there was a seventh grade teacher with a, quote, personal library in her classroom. And in that personal library that was in an off-limits section of the classroom, the book, This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson, was on the shelf. Well, the teacher was out, sick or something. They were, I don't know. The teacher was absent. And the book was removed from the teacher's personal space and placed in the in-classroom student library that resulted in an unintended circulation of the book, which is a very sanitized description of what probably actually occurred, which was everybody passing the book around, reading it, laughing, oh my God, oh my gosh, look at this, oh my gosh. You know that's what that probably looked like, right? Because when this mom, Christy Wade, read the passage... It, detailed, it was an instruction manual on how to commit certain sex acts on another, uh, for a man or a boy to commit sex acts on another boy. It was a, it was a how-to manual. It was an instruction manual. And I believe there, was a, uh, there were illustrations included. Completely inappropriate. That is completely inappropriate for a classroom setting. Now... Why did, oh, and then so this video from the CMS board meeting of the mom reading this passage goes viral. And, you know, two notes, the guy sitting behind her uh, wearing the West Charlotte uh, T-shirt, he looked to be about, I don't know, 50 or so. And he's sitting there and he's got his hands covering his ears. He's got his fingers like plugged into his ears so he can't hear what she is reading. And he's kind of like, he's got his eyes closed. He's kind of like shaking his head the whole time. Very comical. Um, But he didn't even want to hear it. And then you got the sign language, that poor guy. And he's got to do sign language for all of the words. He's And so he's, yeah, he's giving the visual demonstrations for these things. That's not appropriate. And, um... I don't know why that the teacher's personal library exists in the first place. Why do you have a personal library in the classroom? That's off limits to the students. Why is that, first of all? Second of all, how did it get moved 
to the the general library, the student library that's in the in the classroom. School district spokesperson says the book was removed, is not part of the approved curriculum nor classroom instruction, but cannot explain why it was there. When when the Charlotte Observer asked why the book was in the teacher's personal library at school, which is the obvious question to ask, the school district says, they don't know. But yes, we do. Yes, we do. We all know why it was there. For precisely this reason. For a student to read it. Right? That's the purpose of having the book there for the kids. I believe there was a... a Part of the cover story initially was that the uh, the teacher wanted to read it for herself or something, and yeah, it's not it's just not believable. Because if you have that book, you went out, you sought that book out for some reason, right? You sought the book out, and then did she finish reading it? And then she knew what was in it, and she left it in the classroom. So, like, I'm not an idiot. And most parents are not idiots, although I know a lot of people in the education establishment like to think of all the parents as idiots, but they're not. We all know why the book was in there. It was so kids could see it at some point, whether they ask for it or a kid is struggling or something and the teacher, oh, well, here you go. Let me help you out. Here's a, here's a book, right? This is what the presence of the book was for. We all know this. So how do we solve this problem of teachers bringing in books like this or libraries stocking books that parents don't think are appropriate for their kids to read? So what's the solution? I'll tell you what the Moms for Liberty came up with. I think it's a pretty good idea. So the Moms for Liberty Mecklenburg chapter is proposing Charlotte Mecklenburg schools establish a book review committee, which would include parents, teachers, librarians, and administrators. The committee would review challenged books and make a decision that applies to all CMS schools, libraries, and classrooms. That committee would also assign a universal book content rating. For example, books with a one rating, the lowest, would contain no profanity, no references to sexual activities, and are appropriate for all audiences. So that would be like the G rating, right? Books with a 5 rating, I guess that would be, would that be triple X or X, NC-17, right? The highest rating, 5, that would make explicit references to, quote, aberrant sexual activities. Books with a rating of 3 to 5 are restricted and parents would have to opt into the system that allows their child to access those books. I think that's a pretty good skeleton to start building a policy off of. The head of the Moms for Liberty Mecklenburg chapter, Brooke Weiss, tells the Charlotte Observer um, that uh, the idea is also a time-saving way to address challenges against specific books because Quote, as the system currently stands, if you got 20, apparently there are 28 challenged books right now, they have to go to each school. And and the committee of teachers at each school would have to perform individual book reviews. 
Ultimately, teachers are the ones responsible for reviewing the books. This would create an enormous amount of additional work for them for which they will not be paid. Right? So I agree. Take this off of the, the plate for the teachers. They don't need to be uh, – every, every classroom does not need to be assessing every one of these 28 books. That's unfair to the teachers. Right? The whole point of having a district is to set these kinds of policies. No? Well, then do your job. Right? Create a rating system, and if a book is G-rated, anybody can use it. And if it's PG or whatever, right, you come up with a, with a scoring system. And uh, uh, the worse the book is, or the more explicit or graphic, then you need parental permission to see it, just like the movies. This is not a new concept. This isn't. The rating system is there to help give guidance to parents, and kids, and the operators who, di- who provide the material, right? The theaters in the analogy. Which, by the way, went to the theater uh, over the weekend uh, with some friends, uh, Jessica and Lee, and we saw Amsterdam. It's pretty good. It was a pretty good movie. I recommend it. All right, let me go over to um, Al. Welcome to the program. Hello, Al. Can I call you, Al? Sure. All right. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. Yeah. Um, what's giving these teachers the idea that it's their business to teach our kids about sex, you know, through the classroom or through the books or anything like that? It's pretty much contributing to a minor, isn't it? It would depend on what the nature of the content is and the age of the kid. Yeah. All kids is under the age 18 that's in school. Well, they failed a bunch of times. Well, yes, but if you're 18 in, in high school, then you would be of majority age. But uh, also, if it's agent, I mean, if again, it dep- there's two components. One would be the, the content, right? Because simply talking about, for example, talking about um, if you're reading a book and the book says that um, uh, this husband and wife and, uh, you know, they uh, and it doesn't go into graphic detail, but it simply talks about them. Uh, having relations and then having children, right? Would that be age inappropriate for a sixteen-year-old? I don't. Th- I don't think no, so. Uh, no, right. not at that age. But right. But what about for? I don't know. A six-year-old. Would that be a little bit different? Maybe. I don't. Right. Th- yeah, but these are the yeah. things. Right. Oh, so that's okay. what I mean. The content, the specific content, and what what age that content is being made available to. But to your first question, I don't know why. Uh, I have some ideas why some teach. I mean, I can speculate why some people might think that it's their job to do this, to teach these things to your kids. I, I, I can make some guesses. I think some people feel like they're changing the world by doing it. They're making the world a better place by doing this. And, you know, you're a Cretan, you're a bigot, and so I'm going to teach your kid not to be a bigot. And this is how I'm going to change the world. But what they're doing is, you know, some of them gets locked up for this being pedophiles teaching kids about sex without the book. Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. That would be sort of uh, like like the lab, uh, the lab component of the instruction. Um, yeah, th- I mean, look, I saw a piece today, I think, A.P. Dillon at North State Journal. Um, she wrote a piece, I think it's on her Substack actually, uh, where now she's documented somewhere just uh, under 300 people in North Carolina schools that have been charged with uh sex-related offenses with minors mm-hmm. in the state. So, 
And, and again, like again, I'm not saying all teachers, right? Be, do not, as Vince Coakley says, do not hear what I am not saying. I'm not saying that all the teachers are doing that. People are called to this profession because they love kids. They want to educate kids. Absolutely. Well, However, good teachers. I will say that. Right. We've all had good teachers. We've all had bad teachers. And we've all probably heard rumors about certain teachers that were a little weird, you know? And, oh, you might want to not, you know, take a ride home from that one. But, um, there's a, but there, there is something to be said for the fact that predators go where the prey is. That has always been the case. So when people say, oh, I can't believe that this, you know, this troop leader or this uh, uh, this church leader, you know, leading the kids uh, youth groups, I can't believe it was the youth minister. Really? I can. That's where the youths are. Right. That's where the victims are. That he, of course, they're going to gravitate to those uh, to those settings. So it's not surprising uh, that it happens in schools either. Uh, if a teacher is going to have a book in her classroom. She should know what's in that book, it, whether it's private to herself or himself or to the students. It, they should know what's in the book. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, Al, I appreciate the call. Have yeah. a great day, buddy. Hi, right, buddy. You too. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what the official explanation. Well, I should say this. We know what the official explanation is. It does not pass the smell test. It does not explain the outstanding questions. It doesn't answer them. And. Um, it doesn't seem like everybody is very interested in finding out what the real answers are. And I don't say any of this to uh, attack or, or, or demonize or try to whip people up against, uh, against anybody. But these are the questions that should be asked of the school district. It's a government agency. If you demand answers for government inappropriateness at other levels, then you should demand answers to this as well. So I'm trying to just apply a consistent standard. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, one last component here of this story about the proposal from the Moms for Liberty Mecklenburg who say, hey, how about we create an advisory or a book review committee that includes parents, teachers, librarians, and administrators that would review all challenged books and then make a determination uh, or a decision based on the content of that book. Yes, we know. Yeah, we know. We got it. Hello? Yeah, we got it. Thank you. Um, it's a tremendous opportunity to rebuild trust and begin to repair the relationship between stakeholders, said Brooke Weiss, the chair of Moms for Liberty Mecklenburg. Um, This book review committee would then assign sort of like a rating system, right, to all of the books, and that would apply to all of the schools. So here's the other side of it. They went in the reporter here, Anna Maria Della Costa, the Charlotte Observer, uh, interviewed an English professor at Davidson College named Shireen Campbell, who teaches a course on banned books and spends time researching the subject. And she said, a rating system looks attractive, but there are other factors to consider. Quote, the motivation behind such ratings, I fear, is the aim to exclude content the raters would deem too adult. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is precisely the point. 
I'm sorry. Was that not clear? I thought that was clear. I thought, yeah, I thought the whole point was that this is not appropriate for kids that age. And so yeah, they should not have access to it unless their parents want them to have access to it. Look, if you if you want your kid reading the instruction manual provided in this book is gay, then tell the library my kid can read it. I don't understand what what the problem is with with parents opting in or opting out for their kids. She says it's censorship in advance. Oh, it's censorship in advance. You mean like Huckleberry Finn and Little House on the Prairie, Kill a Mockingbird, Lord of uh, Lord uh, Lord of the Flies, like that, like that, like that kind of censorship where books get taken out of circulation or de-emphasized, to use the words of the librarians, the books get de-emphasized in K-12 education because there are things in there that we don't want kids to read anymore because we're more advanced. We don't use those words. We don't like the themes. I mean, like that? See, the problem here isn't the censorship. The problem is in who is doing it. That's the problem. The people who right now get to control what the kids see They do not appreciate the fact that someone else is coming along and saying, we disagree with your assessments of what's appropriate. We want there to be a different standard so the things that are inappropriate don't get provided. That's the problem. It's not censorship because they are already doing that. There are already a lot of books that you cannot get access to in schools. But here's the rationale from, uh, again, this is Shireen Campbell, Davidson College English professor. It's censorship in advance because school libraries strapped for cash would be constrained from purchasing items that were rated to adult. Again, yes, exactly, precisely. Yeah, you don't, if there's, if the book is too adult and you are a uh, K through three school, there's no reason for you to go purchase that book. Kind of makes sense to me. I Anyway, just, even though there may be readers and parents of readers in a school system who would have no problem with their children reading such content. Yeah, there'd be, there, there are parents in school that have no problem with their kids reading Huckleberry Finn either. Or To Kill a Mockingbird. Or Little House on the Prairie. These are all books that got canceled by you guys. Sorry, I don't know if they're all progressive leftists, but I'm going to I'm going to go out on that limb. <laughs> I'm going to go out on the limb. So, because some parents say I want my kid to read the sexually explicit books, but not enough parents agree with me that they want their kids reading the sexually explicit books. Now the school won't purchase the sexually explicit book, and so now my kid won't get to read it. So, I'm thinking maybe go to the public library, right? I mean, if you really want your kid to read the sexually explicit books, you could take them to the public library, Mecklenburg County Public Library, could you not? Or or maybe buy the book for them. Take them to a bookstore and buy the book for, oh, well, what about poor people can't afford a book? Okay, okay. The public library still seems like a place where that that could be, uh, uh, that book could be obtained, no? Oh, but the kid can't make it to the, Library, they can't, they can't traverse the county to the library where the book exists. There's always an excuse, right? There's always a reason. So now, so in order to accommodate 
what the one parent or two parents, because obviously there's not a critical mass of them at a school to warrant the school buying the books. So now to accommodate this very teensy-weensy minority of a minority of a minority of a group of parents that want their kid to read the sexually explicit material, so now every kid has to be uh, has to have the opportunity to get exposed to that. This is insane and asinine. And I'm not sure, I mean, I know she's a professor of English, but maybe a few logic classes might might be helpful here. The ratings, she says, would definitely inhibit faculty from assigning anything more challenging. Now, if, if kids want the books, if the parents want the books, if enough want their kids reading these books, then they will be purchased. I do note, though, there seems to be a bit of a denial here. There's a shift going on. Now there's this denial that the content induces cultural change. When that's precisely why the books are in the school libraries to begin with. No, that's why you put them in there. Because, again, the purpose of the schools is to do what? To pass down cultural knowledge, civilizational knowledge. That includes reading and writing and arithmetic and science and art. Yes, absolutely. But also culture, right? And this is what teachers have been doing, education activists. This is what the experts have been doing for literally the entire time schools have existed, passing down what the society wants to pass down to the next generation. Now, there's been this denial that, oh, that's not what's happening. Oh, no, no, we're just putting these things just for the advanced readers. Are you telling me there's no other book that an advanced reader could not get at a school library unless it has the sexually explicit material in it? What about Shakespeare? I know you guys have been canceling him all over the place, but uh, that seems like a pretty advanced kind of book or, or Homer, right? Not the Simpsons guy, the other one. Right? What about some of those classic texts that schools have largely abandoned, the classical books, right? the classical education? Uh, I talked about there are schools that are popping up that are focused only on the classics, teaching these classic uh, books and lessons. Those seem to be pretty, I mean, they're written pretty wordy, no? Pretty advanced reading. Why does the advanced reader need the sex? Why does the advanced reader, they're just advanced readers. Or are you saying something else? Are you saying that an advanced reader means that they are now interested in all sorts of uh, sexual instruction manuals? Yeah, I'm not sure the logic is, is holding up under just even a modicum of scrutiny here. 